I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to The Perfect Scam Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Welcome to Preach Care, Preach with Rashad. Here another episode of another sermon. Not a lot of news, not a lot of topics right now. So we're going to finish up our series of uh, the greatest uh, each position. And the last one, not least, is the power forwards. Uh, Rashad, um, you know, we've been going through, you know, we had like big, big debates about why Steve Nash so high or, um, you know. Why he's so low. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill Russell. Go ahead and knock him down, you know, the small forward debate and the shooting guard debates, um, you know, between Jay West and David uh Dwayne Wade. But the power forwards, you know, it's not it's not it's not as it's not as uh bookend as as it seems. Yeah, not really, just because of, you know, era, stats, awards, you know, guys are somewhat pretty similar. Then you got so many guys who are up and coming or padding their resume like a Draymond Green. So Maybe you do see him on the list. Maybe you don't. But uh, we'll get to it. You know, we'll get to it and explain why we have certain guys where. And uh, of course, it's always gonna be somebody on the list we we have to kill for a certain reason. So uh, I got my one guy. I'm not sure who you have. But I had my one guy who I'm ready to tear down his resume a little bit. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, so started off our number one, uh, plain and simple, Tim Duncan. That's the greatest power forward to ever play the game. No matter what power forward comes in, that he would never be replaced. Uh, you're talking about a five-time champion, five, 15-time All-Star, 15-time All-Defensive, and 15-time All-NBA. Not to mention three Finals MVPs to go with it. And you're talking about a guy. Yes, his his, his last, you know, three or four years of his career wasn't, you know, wasn't the, the Tim Duncan that we all know. But he came in the NBA and already was a top ten, top five player easily. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, man, like his first 10, 12 years in the league, you know, he was at least 19, 20 points a game, double-digit rebounds. He was probably getting two blocks, you know. And then even after Pop started to kind of take away some of his responsibilities, like that's why Tim Duncan, he'll never be high on like the all-time scoring list. That's why you got to take those all-time lists with grains of salt because, of course, if Pop kept Duncan as the number one option, you know, and kept the team built around him. He could have got a chance to pad more stats, things like that. But even as he got older and Pop kind of handed the team off to 
tone it a little bit more, or as the era changed, you know, it went more to three ball shooting. And of course, you get Lamarcus Aldridge come in, Kawhi Leonard emerge, things like that. Duncan was still a solid player. I mean, he made an All Star team in his last, uh, his next to last season, and um, after years of consecutive, he still was making it. 2013 and 2015 and he retired in 2016 ultimately but he was a solid player well great player from day one like those three years those two three years of college he spent at Wake Forest man he he came in polished and he won a championship his second year uh, 1999 so and outside of Kobe and Shaq from 1999 to you know 2005 though they won all the championships and he still when they got one in 2007 so that was that was the Duncan Shaq Kobe era. He dominated his era. Yeah, man. It just Mr. Fundamental is really a lot of power forwards. I know looked up to him now. Uh, you know, very always consistent, always there, showed up when he needed to, and and it's really it's really it's really unmatched. Uh, Tim Duncan's level and being one of the the few the few two way superstars to ever play the game. You know, that that right there alone, where you can be elite on both ends of the court. You know that. That that really what drives you to be you know number one power forward. Yeah, he's easily one of the ten greatest players of all time. If you have him a little bit outside the top ten, like eleven, twelve, I mean that's that's I won't say it's absurd, but I can kind of see why because people kind of forget about the Spurs. You know, they always overlook their five championships, or because it's a small market, you know, people kind of forget about the Spurs. They focus more on the glamour of Lakers and. Knicks and things like that, but Tim Duncan, you know, he's, in my opinion, one of the 10 greatest players of all time, um, depending upon if you think Kevin Durant can pass somebody like him or pass a Larry Bird, you may end up moving Duncan down, but I think he's one of the 10 greatest players of all time and definitely the greatest power forward of all time. Yeah, and for, for my top ten list, he, he would never get replaced. Um, let's move on to number two. I I have Charles Barkley. Um, now this is where we get interesting because we we you know believe two through five, everybody debates that and about who's where and whatnot. Um, like I said, I'm going with Charles Barkley. I, I I think he was just better than the rest of the power forwards that we're gonna talk about after this. Um, and just the fact that you know I love his impact and being able to be the number one guy and, and take a team. I think you know I know a lot of people say you know he don't he don't have a championship ring and that's like his biggest fault. But you talking about you talking about a guy who's very undersized yet. Yeah, it was uh yeah he averaged what twelve rebounds a game. He put up twenty two points. He was the leading scorer on the uh, ninety two dream team. And if he would have came in two or three years earlier to Philadelphia, that would have been a dynasty. Uh, we were talking about Boston, talking about Lakers. But if he would have came with Moses Malone and Dr. J, like in their still elite prime, Sixers would have dominated the the eighties. Uh, that's my opinion. Then when he went to the Suns. To able to carry that team each and every year. Uh, yes, he had Kevin Johnson and Dan Marley, but you know, if he would have had better number two, I think he would. I, th- I mean, I'm gonna say he would have beat Michael Jordan, but as far as far as talent level, he was. I mean, I think I think I would say he he was a top three, top four player in his, during his prime of his career. So, Charles, I think I just think Charles Barkley just can do it all, and like I said, be on be size with that much heart and being able to dominate. You know, it's kind of it's kind of very impressive to me. Uh, for number two, I went Carl Malone. Uh, I have him over Charles because of, you know, let's let's look deeper than the the stats of you know what they got, things like that. Well, of course, we know Carl's very high on the all time scoring list, but just they played in the same era. Um, basically, their careers ran, you know, 
neck and neck together. Um, both, like you said, guys on the dream team. Um, I went Carl just because Carl was a better defender. Um, we know Chuck didn't play defense. Um, so being both sides of the ball, I took Carl for that reason. Um, and back to the, them playing in the same era, Carl made more all-NBA teams. And in certain years, he made a higher all-NBA team over Chuck. So I, I counted that as a factor. And then, of course, Carl got two MVPs to Chuck's one. Granted, you could say neither guy deserves any of them because they played in the same era as Michael Jordan. But, <laughs> you know, uh, Carl does have two MVPs to Chuck's one. And, and as far as everything else, you know, skill-wise, they're pretty similar. Both are great scorers, multidimensional scorers, great rebounders. Um, you know, both had some mid-range game. Um, neither one of them could get past that guy in Michael Jordan in the finals, Carl losing twice and Chuck losing once. But uh, just on their careers running consecutive, you know, running neck and neck together from the time they were drafted until basically they left the league and Carl lasted longer than Chuck. I just, I just think Carl's, uh, Carl's career in comparison to Chuck's in that same era, I gave him the edge. Now, if you move on to number three, I do have Carmelo there. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes, like you said, we have to we have to kill somebody and knock somebody, and that's why I, I put Malone three three over uh, behind Charles Barkley, is because yes, he was he was dominant on Utah Jazz. He was always a contender every every single year, um, but I I have I have to knock them. I have to knock him, and I did the same thing with John Stockton. Is when you look when you look at the year that uh, Carmelo won MVP. Uh, I believe he. I believe he won one of his MVPs during the lockout season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he and they went into the. I mean, yes, it was a lockout season, but they didn't. They lost to. They lost, they won the championship. They went to the final three two years in a row. But prior to that, and this is the, this is the perfect time to finally win the championship because there's no Michael Jordan. He already retired. Retired. Come back during the lockout season, short season with we you know veterans and Carmelo and John Stockton pretty up there in age, but. It's not a long grind. Eighty two games It's only like fifty something, fifty six games, I think. And they got put out. Not even to the Lakers, to Shaq and Kobe. Not even to Tim Duncan and David Robson. And to me, when you're the MVP and you're not losing to one of the greats, you know, especially in, in a series, I think that's kind of that kind of like hurt hurt him to me, and why I have Charles Buckley over him because I th- I, I just I just think. How could y'all do that? I understand, you know, you play you play certain teams, and it's all about matchups. But then again, if your, if your whole career has been based on, you know, not getting over that hump of uh, of Michael Jordan, he's finally out of the way. And then you have new humps like, like I said, Kobe and Shaq, and you got the the, the star on Tim Duncan. But you didn't even have to see them, you know. It kind of that kind of hurt me just just a little bit. Which is why I have them three. Yeah, for my number three, I went Mister. Kevin Garnett, the big ticket. Um, I think I think Kevin Garnett look, gets look. I think he gets overlooked like historically in all aspects of carrying a team, in in terms of his elite defense, in terms of just how great he was during his prime. I mean, some of that's probably because in Minnesota he only you know he couldn't get past the first round pretty much. You know, he made the playoffs a lot of times, but. As far as getting past the first round, that was as far as he could get, sometimes even getting swept. Um, but then when he did finally get some help with Sam Cassell, Latrell Sprewell, Wally Zerbiak, Flip Saunders coaching, 
he did go win the MVP and he did make the West Finals and he lost to the Lakers, who at that time had Shaq and Kobe, um, and went on to the finals to lose to Detroit. But when you gave Kevin Garnett just some, just a little bit of surrounding talent, the guy could make something happen. And of course, we know how his career in the plan now getting traded to the Boston Celtics and uh, going to get that championship in 2008. Mr. Anything's possible. <laughs> uh, he's a defensive player of the year. You know, he, the guy could hold by himself. He was, you know, so long, um, perennial 20 and 10, 20 and 12 guy. And just, you know, he was just an all-around elite talent. He could handle the ball. He could score the ball in multiple ways. I mean, this guy was – I think he's one of the top 25 players of all time, but he gets overlooked because he played in the era with Tim Duncan. He played in the era with Chris Webber and things like that, Rasheed Wallace, Amari Stoudemire, and then coming on down the line with Chris Bosh and some of the other guys, Tiger Saul. So um, he just kind of gets overlooked. Of course, the other greats in the same era, Shaq, Kobe, AIT, Mac, Vince Carter, you know, he just played in that era where there's so many other names you kind of forget about Kevin Garnett, but I think just what he did with Minnesota, carrying him to the playoffs all those years, um, then when he finally started to get some surrounding help, carrying him to the West Finals, and, of course, what he did with Boston, um, I just think he warrants the third spot on this list. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. Now, if he didn't have that if – if he didn't get the chance to go to Boston and he kind of faded out like the rest of like Tim Duncan, Malone, and Barkley – I know Barkley tried to change teams at the end of the, in his career, but – if Tim Duncan, had, I mean, if Kevin Garnett had like kind of faded out to Minnesota, would you would you still put him third if he didn't ever get that championship or 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 what? Yeah, even without the championship, I still think he warrants the third spot just because he played both ends of the floor. Um, great, like he was just he was just so great at so many different things. Um, like I have Charles Barkley at four, and the reason why I have him at four is because he didn't play defense. Um, Kevin Garnett was, I mean, he never took any. No, he he basically never took games off. Like, he was always there. The guy was leading the league in rebounds multiple times. Uh, he has the same amount of MVPs as Charles Barkley. And, uh, you know, just his – Kevin Garnett's talent level, it was just – it was off the charts. He's one of those first guys who came straight from high school and kind of pioneered, somewhat pioneered and helped made it more common, more popular because he did – you know, he struggled a little bit coming out of the gate, but – once he found his footing and finally got some stability with the team, uh, he, he took off like a rocket, man. I mean, it didn't help. They kept trading his best players like Stephon Marbury. You know, yes. He was there. And they they got rid of him. And so far as you know, he, Kevin Garnett's playoff success, you only can have so much playoff success when you're the lone star playing in the same era as Shaq and Kobe's Lakers, Duncan and his big three Spurs and, Things like that. You only can you only can have so much success. I mean, that Dallas with dirt. So you how much success could he really have? C Webs, Kings. You know, they, those are better teams than just KG by himself. So I've never really just knocked him for losing in the first round those years because he didn't have the supplementary pieces. Everybody knows when you have a big, they need supplementary pieces. It's not like a wing who can go get their own shot. Right, and then when you think of hindsight, uh, Tim Duncan had Ginobili, Parker, Malone. Had John Stockton, Charles Barkley had Kevin Johnson, and you know, like I said, Dirk had Steve Nash, Jason Kidd. Yeah, they all they all had these these transcendent transcendent uh, point guards or guards. And KG, like you got to knock Minnesota's like front office because not only did they have uh, Stephon Marbury, 
They also dra- they also drafted Ray Allen, which he later on teamed up with. And I'm just saying, you know, hindsight wise, they could redo that again. They would have kept Ray Allen. They would have, you know, kept kept Marbury, and then they they that would have been who knows that would put him over the hump. But it would have gave you more indi- indication of of can it is Kevin Garnett that elite elite um, player to get teams over the hump w- with a little help. You see in Boston, he was more the he was. I mean, they pretty much. I mean, they pretty much passed their prime at that point. But I mean, they're like you know on the on the mountain coming down. But those three together, Paul Pierce and Ray Allen with them, they was able to you know Paul Pierce to score, Ray Allen the shooter, and Garnett the defender. You know that that versatility together made it a great team. But if you're talking about during his prime, and he would have had a Stephon Marbury and Ray Allen throughout his prime, you know, I think I think that would have changed you know changed everyone's views because like you said, a lot of people don't view Kevin Garnett. As as that great great you know elite up there at the top, and it's probably, it's probably because they didn't get to see him with someone else to help him and see if he can get over that hump. You know you know you know like in the playoffs where you you, you have to you have to ascend over certain guys. And if Kevin Garnett could have outplayed Tim Duncan or Garnett outplayed Shaq in the fin- you know in the worst of finals of the playoffs, then you're talking about a guy who's pretty much you know top of the team, possibly top ten if he if he could add a couple rings to it. Um, so KG is my is my four, and is really is like I say it's really it's really because I, I think he was more I think he was better on defense than he was offense. Um, and I and to to point to lose that point while talking about Ray Allen on the team and I I don't think I don't think he could have been the best scorer on the team to win a championship. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. I feel like I feel like if you I feel like you know we talk about Tim Duncan, Malone, Charles Barkley. I think you know those guys can be, you know, the the the, lead, the leading guy on both sides. But I mean, now, I'm not I'm not saying that you can't, you know, playing defense is not not good enough. But I'm just saying I'm just saying like I re- I would rather have you know my greatest power for, uh, you know, dominate from 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 the offense side more than defense side. But of course, of course, it's great if you do both like Tim Duncan. But not everybody can be Tim Duncan. So, uh, but I, I mean, I, I have KJ on, on that light just because I wish I could have seen it. I wish I could have seen him with the star. During his prime, prime instead of on the back end of his career when he's going downhill. But nonetheless, though Kevin Garnett had a great career, and it, even even that small glimpse of him in Boston when you seen them at age thirty five plus and how great they were together, you're like, man, if only, you know. So, uh, and I, I'm glad well, I'm glad people are looking at Kevin Garnett's situation and Ray Allen. And now you see, really, there that that right there sparked this new era about people playing with. So changing teams and and getting out of situations because they don't want to be the Garnets, the Barclays, the Malones of the world. Even though Malone and Barkley actually got there and they could have won. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. I mean, of course, Michael Jordan was so great, but you don't want to be like Kevin Garnett and how Kevin Love. Kevin Love was when you just stuck and there's nothing you can do but just put you know play great numbers and all that. So I, I like I'm glad like nowadays that that big three forming in 2008 changed the way the NBA has because now you got players. Uh, teaming up, you know, it's like you know what, I'm not, I can't win here. Let me go somewhere else. Let me go somewhere else because I, I'm, I'm with my prime, and and now you see a lot of guys do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the big threes have always been around. It just with the Celtics, it kind of became more of a phenomenon because you know LeBron couldn't get past it, so he wanted to take his legacy into his own hands. Like everybody knows, KG was he was diehard loyal to Minnesota. He didn't want to leave Minnesota, so uh, that kind of was his downfall. But once he, I mean, he was drafted. 1995 and 95-96 season, uh, they didn't make the playoffs. But the years after that, he made the playoffs and 
you know, was winning 40, 50 games, you know, 40 plus games, 45, 47, 48, 50 games regularly, things like that. Um, my number four I said earlier is Charles Barkley, um, only because the three guys I have above him, they could all be lead number one options, and they also provide the defense. Chuck just didn't provide the defense. Um, he had a great prime, though. I mean, this guy from Philadelphia to Phoenix, I mean, the numbers are staggering. Um, he He's the round mountain rebound for a reason. Um, at his size, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, being as agile as he was, being able to shoot. Um, like, Chuck really changed the game. Like, they put in rules of you couldn't back down for too long because Chuck was killing guys. <laughs> and he was killing guys on the block, just, just backing them down, working them. Like, a 6'5", 265, 270 guy, you know, he was, <laughs> I mean, that's basically what Zion is now, but man, Chuck was a, in his prime, he was a, he was a tough dude. Um, what he did with the Suns, take him to the finals, what he did with the dream team, um, having that epic season, you know, Chuck definitely warrants the fourth on this list. Um, I mean, what else can you say about him? The guys was transforming up on the basketball court and now you got him in the, uh, the TNT booth giving us some great commentary. So he's been a Hall of Famer on and off the court, in my opinion. All right, move number five, and um, we both have we both have Dirk. Uh, this is where we we believe Dirk fits in. Uh, Charles Barkley, I would I would give him a I would give him a C plus defensive grade, um, but Dirk Whiskey, I'm gonna give him an F. <laughs> he was and this, he was, and, and that's, that's and that's, exactly why he's a number five. <laughs> exactly, uh, he was. So one-sided, yes, and we're not knocking him from being great. Like he, you're talking about a guy who put a team on his back that that the transcendent shot where you fading away with the knee up, man. You know that just it is always beautiful. Uh, Dirty whiskey can can step on the court, and you have to worry about him at all times. He probably was the only one I would say out of these, you know, out of the five that when game on the line, you know, you know, you know, it's going to dirt. And the thing about it is you don't know where. At least you know with Tim Duncan, you know, he's gonna catch it on the block. Uh Carmelone, same way. You know, you might you might catch you might catch Charles by you know coming off something, I mean off a screen and being able to attack the rim or something. But you know Dirk from anywhere on the floor, he can he can he can make the shot and you know the the uh, like I said, we were talking about this already before on our on our best of best champions and and Dirk, the reason why we had we had Mavs so high. Is because you know him him being able, being able to beat a team like the Heat and being the best player on that team, man, that that was, that was very remarkable. Uh, but he was always consistent, always steady, and you, you know you know what you're gonna get from him every day and every night. And it's reasons why you had to put a Tyson Chandler next to him, or early in his career, Sean Bradley, <laughs> uh, because you needed some defense on you know with him because as far as big man wise. And I'm glad he came in the era that he did because you think about the era now if he was in his prime and they did, you know, now where you're going, Dirk had to play more of the center role, kind of like, you know, most, most power forwards playing the center role, the small ball. Touch him. Like, yeah. Dirk would be killing the game if he was in his prime right now. Yeah. Like, he killed the game when he came in. So, like, he would definitely be eating the game up now because his specialty is spacing the floor, shooting jumpers, things like that. He would be killing the game. He, he'll be killing the game offensively and defensively. He might be worse than he, than he was. Just because, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. With, with all the analytics. <laughs> yeah, he could, yeah it's, just, it's just crazy. But uh, Dirt changed the game. Um, I, I know we, got, we had guys like Tony Kukoc come in um, prior, but to finally have that, that star of the European player, that, that really, he's, he really set it off. And he was, I, to be honest, he's the reason why 
if you think about it, he's the reason why Pistons didn't get Melo because they went Dirk Melo because they thought, oh, he could he could be he could be like maybe like Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, it's the reason why the you know, tragic, it's very tragic. It's it's, it's the reason why Spurs took a chance on Miles Ginobili. It's the reason why uh, you got you got Porzingis and Luca getting taking chances on early early in drafts. Even Bargnani uh, with Toronto, they he was kind of similar mode where you can he can space the floor and shoot threes and maybe they thought oh he could be he could be like uh, dirt as well so you know he kind of changed the game he put he put your your the Europe Europe game on the on the map and allowing allowing players like that to pave way uh you know some some good and some bad but but at least teams took a shot on it and yeah, I think it all started with dirt yeah um you know around that time dirt came in the league you still had some guys like Drazen Petrovic some Arvidas Sabonis like you had some other guys international that were coming in the game but I think dirt really was like that that true true pioneer of like well of course the dream team going overseas exposed the game to some other guys but um I just think like you said what dirt did so many guys those stretch bigs long tall guys who can shoot with range Dirt really brought that to the NBA. Um, his patented one-legged fadeaway is the most unguardable thing I've ever seen. I mean, Kareem's skyhook is up there with that, but right. But but we dirt, seen, yeah. <laughs> but we seen. Yeah, but when you, yeah, when you're dirt, you're seven feet, and you backing the guy down, and you just fade away like that. Nobody can stop it. And we've seen guys like Kevin Durant even take that on. So, uh, Dirk's impact on the on the game internationally, also on the NBA game, has. It's revolutionized the game for the better, I think, because the European guys are so much more fundamental. Like in, on the American side, it's mostly athletic guys and who who work on getting their skills later. But the international guys, they always come in with those skills, like a Doncic and Porzingis. They come in with those skills and can stretch the floor in multiple different ways. Um, but we know Dirk's resume made the finals twice, took down the heels in their first uh, NBA Finals, Finals MVP. I think twelve time all NBA. Dirk was I mean, like again like K G, that era of power force was crazy, man. Dirk, Duncan, K G, Chris Webber, Rasheed Wallace, Samari Stoudemire, Zebo, you know, that was a stacked era of Paul Gasol, man. Like it, it, it's crazy. Some of these guys don't have a lot of all NBA nods because of how deep the power four was. So um yeah, what Dirk did for the game, he definitely wants the fifth spot. But because he does not play defense Mm-hmm. He had to be fifth. I mean, and even being seven feet tall, never averaging ten rebounds, that's terrible. Being seven feet tall, not even averaging one block for your career, that's terrible. I mean, you know, we look beyond the numbers, but still, man, just being seven feet tall, at least average one block and at least average ten rebounds one season. <laughs> uh, let's move on to our number six. And to be honest, he's about number six for now. So this this is this is a spot where. It can be moved. Uh, I will also say the same thing for, uh, for Dirk, Dirk as well. Uh, but six is Kevin McHale, Boston Celtics, great legend. Um, one of the best footworks, you know, man, you're talking about somebody who can – the up and under move was unstoppable. Um, and really, you know, really the part of that big three, he, I mean, he he was – I mean, I would say he was the second best player on that team during, during the 80s. Uh, of course, Boston's team was stacked. But you're talking about somebody who couldn't – who also couldn't rebound 10 rebounds, but – when you had you have uh, Bill Parrish and you have Larry Bird who can get a lot of rebounds. The, you know Larry Bird's what we said before he was LeBron before LeBron. So you you got you got a different a slew of guys who can get rebounds. So Kevin McHale wasn't really asked to do that much on that on, as far as that one. But still, 
Uh I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to The Perfect Scam Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, could, 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 you know, he could um, really, really, from the offensive side of the ball, like, it was very, it was very, it was very um, relied upon because, you know, Rob Parrish, I mean, he, he could put the ball in the basket too, but Kevin McHale, besides Larry Bird, you, you need that other go-to guy. And I, I want to say when he got hurt, they missed him a lot in uh during I think uh I can't remember what final what playoffs it run it was but yeah they they, they definitely missed him they they missed him a lot and he yeah and they could and they did not look the same team at all so Kevin McHale was very very uh, relied upon in that in that Boston Celtics in the eighties and uh, Kevin McHale I mean like I say his up and under move man oh gosh you talking about God and get God played for it every time it, he did he do play before still get fought for it. so. You know, he he had one of the best moves. Uh, probably, probably I would say a you know top five, top ten move of all time, uh, as far as for him and him being a Celtics, him being able to win championships. Uh, like he 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 played both sides of the ball as well. Uh, and Kevin McHale really could do it all, and and he, he probably he probably get passed upon because of what he did as a coach as a as a coach, but as a player he he was outstanding. Yeah, as a player, I mean, from his first All Star game to his last All Star game, which was seven total All Star games, his averages were. 21 and 8, you know, so you know how good this guy was. And like you said, he provided great defense. And, you know, alongside Larry Bird and Robert Parrish, you know, that's, that's a lot of size and rebounding right there. And, of course, what the Celtics did in the 80s, competing with the Lakers and, of course, winning three championships. And Kevin McHale, he wasn't always a a starter. So um, that's how he won those six man of the year awards. But how we see the game now, like, it don't matter who starts against, like, who, who finishes the game, who gets those right. minutes. So, even though he didn't start the game, you know, Kevin McHale, when he got in the – when he did get in the game, he was giving guys the business. Like Charles Barkley's always said, Kevin McHale was the toughest guy he ever played against. So, when you have a great – like Charles Barkley saying, this guy right here is the toughest I ever played against, you know how great Kevin McHale is. Larry Burr has always um, sung Kevin McHale's praises. I mean, he was uh, – his career numbers don't really speak to how great he was because, of course, like I just said, he didn't really – always start and of course once he got injured he never really came back the same but if you look at his age 26 through age 33 that's basically the years he was a, a all-star missing it once I mean the guy was 21 and 8 so just think about if you got those numbers over the course of a 10-12 year career full-time in his role he easily be probably four he probably be number three or four you know um, but you know that's just how it how it goes for his role the era he played in, and just the legacy of the guys we have in front of him. I think uh, where we have him at number six is a great spot for him. Uh, number seven, man, and this is who I say probably would be in my top five and is all said done his career, especially with, with, the, with the trajectory he's going, and that's Anthony Davis. Um, number now seven with a bullet. He going up, he going up, <laughs> he going up the charts. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 now, and now you're talking about um, him, him on the Lakers now. In a situation where he can win, he he uh he listened to Kevin Garnett, and uh, he got out um early before because he was gonna waste his career in New Orleans. But you're talking about a guy already, man. He's only 26 years old. Yes, <laughs> uh, what six seven time All Star, 
three block champ, three time all defensive team, and three all time NBA. Uh, you talking about one of the best big men, like as far as skill wise, to probably ever play, and he's only twenty six. So you got to think about he's gonna at least have seven to eight more years of of domination. And now that he's with a guy like LeBron, and even when LeBron finally pays away, I I just I just think Andy Davis is now reaching his prime, and he's he's already a guy. He's already got averaging twenty four points a game, uh, eleven rebounds, two blocks. It, it's it's I mean it's kind of it's kind of hard not to see that he's going he's going to get better. And now that he's don't have to force a lot of shots or or, or be the one to take all the tough shots, um, now he's going to be in a winning situation. You're going to see a different end of Davis, and nobody really th- nobody really like watches. I mean, who watches New Orleans basketball? So elite pass, got to get elite pass access. <laughs> exactly. So now you're going to see him on a grand stage. Uh, whether that's you know during like like Christmas Day games and the TNT special Wednesday Thursday night games and stuff, and of course you're gonna see him in the playoffs. Now you're gonna see him on in a, in, a, in a different light, and you're gonna be like, man, this really, this guy is really something special. But you know, I've been a fan. I'm a Kentucky fan, so I've been a fan since he was he was 17, 18 years old. You're talking about a guy who's brought up from being a point guard all the way up to seven feet tall, and and there's nothing. There, there, Anthony Davis has no weakness. Um, his, he got one of the best. He can make free throws. He can shoot the three ball now. Um, and out of all these guys on the list that we already talked about, they are they are it's, it's, all, it's something that none of them couldn't do. It's, it's like it's, it's something like Dirk can play defense. You know, uh, Malone Malone I me mean, Malone can't shoot threes. I mean, you, Dirk really can't shoot threes either. So, but you you got you got somebody who can do it in all phases of the game. From that's point guard, assists, rebound, block, steals, three point percentage, free throw percentage, field goal percentage, like. I don't. I don't think there's nothing you can knock on Andy Davis except the fact that he hasn't won anything. And can you knock him for New Orleans? I mean, your best player he ever had was what? I mean, he had Boogie for one year, but Boogie towards Achilles in the playoffs, and then you had Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday that's it. That's that's the best and, player and, he hasn't had. Ron, and Rondo and Rondo kind of power. You know, I won't say pioneered, but he kind of made that team really work. That's how they got. That's how they swept the Blazers. You know, and then you know the second round they had a good series, but they just couldn't get you know get, get couldn't get past. Second round, but if I think if they had kept that team together, they could have probably made some noise, you know, because Boogie would have took a little time to kind of get back in in shape from his Achilles. But you keep Rondo, you keep Drew and AD, like you said, he's in his prime. They could, that team could have made some more noise. Yeah, and, and really, it really, I, I, we always going to be wondering that what if if Boogie never towards Achilles, could could the Pelicans have done something at, in that second round? You know, that's how a question that you got to think about, like because they was. As far as the seven game series, that's a, hard, that's a hard team to stop when you got two guys like that. Um, but yeah, Anthony Davis, he will be rising on this chart. Um, and honestly, honestly, I don't. I mean, I already said Tim Duncan be the best player all time. Davis can be my Davis can go all number two for me. So I was just um, gonna say, man, he's number seven he, with a bullet. He, he can he can fall anywhere between two. He either stay at seven, or he can go all the way up to number two, or if he just continues to ascend and even gets like three or four championships, it may be up for debate him being at number one because right. skill-wise, he does it all. One thing he's really lacking now is just the resume. Like, skill-wise, he's he's as fundamentally sound as Tim Duncan. He's as long and athletic as Kevin Garnett. So, I mean, that's a rare combination. He can handle the ball, score at every level. Um, he just needs the resume now. That's, that's really all he needs. He has the game. Just stay healthy and get your resume. Because with LeBron, he's he now this is the best player he's ever played. But LeBron's an all-time great, still top five in the league to this day. So you're gonna get a chance to play with this guy. 
for the foreseeable future, which we know is at least two years, um, could be longer if LeBron decides to resign, stick it out. But I mean, this could be the beginning of something special for AD. I know, I know the West is loaded, but this guy's—he's our age, and he's still getting better, right? Like, and, that's, <laughs> and that's a scary thought. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I think the 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 only way for him to pass someone like Tim Duncan is you gotta think you gotta think it. When LeBron does go, like let's say they can get one or two with LeBron, and he he finally gets out on his map, he can take that, take that kind of like a Kawhi Kawhi approach where you know you won with the great, now you winning without him. Like and and that's what they have to do. He he's gonna have to win one with the great, learn how to win, and then to pass Tim Duncan, he's gonna have to be the best player on the best team, and you know the Lakers build around him, and then he can you know still make all different teams, still being the uh, MVP, and that's what he really needs as well because they've been saying. You know he's gonna win MVP. He gonna he gonna win the next three or four MVPs. But you know, obviously, you can't do it when your team not make the playoffs. So now that he's on a team and they can make the playoffs, I, I mean, it, it's, gonna, it's gonna be hard to put two guys up there because that's why Durant and Curry never really won one together. Uh, it's, it's gonna be hard to have two guys in MVP race. But nonetheless, Davis gonna get some MVP votes because you're gonna see uh, this guy. Even if he does the same thing he did in New Orleans, that and now his team is winning, they're gonna say, okay, well, he's an MVP candidate. So, uh, and the Davis something special and. You know, I, I really can't wait to see what happens. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting year coming up and going to be some exciting years with him in his prime and getting better. Just got to stay healthy. All right, and, and the last of our of our best eight, top eight, uh, we both have Elvin Hayes. Um, I know a lot of people don't really know too much about him, but honestly, he, stayed, he should have had two championship rings. Uh, a, a lot of people blame him for not being able to go back-to-back just because of attitude and, how he was, you either like him or you didn't. Uh, but twelve-time All-Star, uh, like I said, he won a championship to in uh, nineteen seventy-eight with the with the Washington Bullets, now the Washington Wizards. Uh, scoring champ, two-time rebounding champ, two-time All-Defensive NBA, and six-time All-NBA. Uh, you talking about a guy? He, I mean, kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say a flash in the pan, but you think about it, like his his prime wasn't too too long, but he was great uh, when he played, and he could do it all. And uh, twenty-one points a game, thirteen rebounds for a career. Also added two blocks a game. Um, Ever Hayes and Wes Honso was like one of the best, you know, as far as big man duos that ever played. Um, and I mean, I, I like I like I like Elvin Hayes. I like everything he could do. At, at at that point, he was what these guys like Tim Duggan, Carmelo, you know, I, I won't say looking up to, but was trying to be at, at one point, as far from being able to score and rebound and do everything for your team. And uh, I mean, he he to my mind, he won the he won the best. He was one of the first best power forwards to play a game, so um, he probably was number one until all these other guys came up. But uh, Elvin Hayes, I mean, like I said, un- really, really unnoticed, but he was he was great in his time. Yeah, we had him at number eight just because of, like you said, just the guys we saw more and what they've done historically really surpassed what he's done. And I think he'll get overlooked always just because of he played in the the NBA when it wasn't merged. I mean, he only played a few years when it merged, but. You know, all the guys who were in the NBA when it was just those guys because the talent was separated, the NBA and ABA. So once all the talent kind of got under one roof, he was already, you know, going towards the downside then. So he really won't ever get a fair shake as far as that. But what he did in his time was still phenomenal. I mean, like you said, averaging 20 and 12 perennially, two blocks. That's uh, that's pretty high standard stuff. Um so we know who we have at number eight. Um, but I also considered Pagasol for this spot, man. I don't, 
I know I haven't been the best of the rest, but I consider Powell here because just because of the era Powell played in, he won't really rack up the accolades like that. He wasn't really a crazy 20-point scorer like that, man. But just we know from the eye test and what Powell's done internationally and things like that and his longevity in the NBA, um, we know we, we got a chance to see a lot of what Powell can do. I consider Powell for number eight. Um, and I think that wouldn't be a you know a, a bad spot to put him at number eight, but we you know we both did go with the big E. Yeah, and and, and the the power four position, it really <clears throat> I wanna say top heavy because it's a lot of great power fours. Um like 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 you said, the best of the rest, you got Paul Gasol, you have you have a guy like C Webb who if he would have got over the hump, you know, beating the Lakers or beating the Spurs, I mean, you're talking about a guy who probably is on the top eight list. Um, if he could have won a championship during that prime, because you know how hard that was to beat, uh, in my opinion, three top ten players of all time. Um, and then you got, you know, your your your, your defensive guys and, and Dennis Rodman, and like you said earlier, and Draymond Green. But then you got your guys like Amari Stoudemire who had, and Sean Kemp, who primes are, you know, 20 and 10 type of guys, and, and, and Kemp, you know, made the finals. But you can say the same thing about Mark Stoudemire. They, he probably would have made the finals, too, if he was if, – even if you, you know, put him on that Sonics team, the way he, his, his game was with would have fit right there with, with what Kemp did. And even Blake Griffin, kind of, they all kind of all, all kind of go, joined together. And, you know, it, it's really it's really a, a lot of great talent in this power forward position. Um, I, I, I also consider Paul Gasol for my number eight. The only reason why I really didn't do it is because – you know, he play, he played solid defense. Like he wasn't really great at it, um, but I I think he if because he was able to get out of that situation in Memphis, um, go to LA and be a, be a champion. That, that that helped his legacy for sure. Um, but you know, I got I got my Paul Gasol a little bit too. Even though, even though his team was Mike Miller, <laughs> Jason Williams, and Paul Gasol, I want to say Shane Batty as well. Yep, he they was there. They, they was the number one seed and got put out. <laughs> so you got the you got oh number two whatever they was the top whatever it was. Hubie Brown won Coach of the Year. They was the top seed and nobody really expected. And then <clears throat> obviously they got put out. So yeah, early, Powell, so, Powell yeah. never won a playoff game until he got to the Lakers. He got swept I think all three times they made the playoffs. So um, yeah, so I can see why you would knock him. Um, individual defender, solid, but great team defender. I mean, he would he would always steal those blocks on the, on the team defense. Oh yeah, and like you mentioned, C Webb. I have C Webb in the best of the rest. Um, of course, we know he got hurt later on down the line, but Prime C Webb was a bad, bad dude. Um, he won everywhere he went. He got to the playoffs, whether it was with DC, whether it was in Golden State. Um, of course, what he did with the Kings and even with the Sixers. If he played on your team, he got to the playoffs. Um, he never did get the championship, which I don't really define guys by championships, but. He, you know, the, the era he played in, it was gonna be hard to come out the West, um, and he couldn't steal one on the back end with Detroit, with Detroit or Philly, um, playing with AI. But see, but, that's, but that's the bad thing about it though, because think, imagine if C Webb, I mean, I'm not saying the reason why. I mean, I think C Webb's in the same boat as Damian Lillard when you when you think about like I'm not leaving because I'm I'm making the playoffs. I, mean, I, I have a you know solid solid resume in the playoffs, and. Why you know why would I leave? But imagine if Chris if Chris Webber could have, like like like, like I say, it's, it's always hindsight. But if Chris Webber could have said, "Hey man, you know what? Forget. I, I there's no way I can beat Lakers. There's no way I can beat Spurs. Let me go add an AI on my team in in 2000, 2001. And you talking about a whole. I mean that's that's a, that's a different series. But we talking about Lakers versus Sixers. But we talk also talking about an East, an East side team that an East Conference that really didn't have two stars. They had one. You know Ray Allen, Bucks, Iversons, uh 
I was the Sixers. I think the, the Nets just had really with Ken Martin at the time because Carter and, and, and well, Kia was there too. Um, you had what? Who who, who else was in the East? Reggie Miller's Pacers. Um, and this this is all before the Pistons team came along. But you know, Chris Webber and I was saying they got together. You talking about two careers that totally different because even if the Sixers would have lost, let's say lost to the Lakers anyway, you are talking about teams with power would have been there in two thousand two, two thousand three, and like I said. We don't judge about we don't judge about championships because like we got Carmelone, Charles Barkley pretty high, and they never won anything. But if if could see well would have did that and got got there and, and be able to, to sniff it, and we could see how great he would have played in the finals, you, we talk about a whole different career and got, like like and, and that's why we got to look at this situation because pe- people on different teams, man, it's just like you kind of get you kind of get lucky at where you at, and I mean obviously your talent plays a part into it. Like like for example, Draymond Green. You know, he got he got all the you know, all different teams, two time All NBA, three time All Star. But do you really think he make a, a two time All NBA if he wasn't on the Warriors? Like, versus somebody like a Blake Griffin, if he was in that situation, you know, he he would have been a champion. He would have been uh, more of the light about oh he can do it all. You know, because Blake Griffin, I mean, he's not Anthony Davis talent, but he can do everything from from like from all the he he can, he can from all yeah, yeah. yeah, he doesn't play great defense, right? Yeah, defense deep, deep, need work, but. You know, but it's like like you know guys like Blake Griffin, guys like uh, you know Amari Stoudemire didn't get the chance to sniff. And Amari's you know, prime was freaking crazy, man. With the Suns, his prime oh, even yeah. before Nash got his prime was crazy. But once he got hurt and signed with the Knicks, he kind of went down. But I mean, that guy on the right team, like let's say, like you were just saying, what if he goes to play with the big three, the Heat instead of Chris Bosh? Like that would have been changed his legacy too. Of course, you had to stay healthy, but just when it comes, to, I think when it comes to power forward, the story of it is. It's all about the situation they get into because Chuck won out of Philly. He got the Phoenix, won an MVP, made the finals. KG was in Minnesota, losing first round. Got out of got out of Minnesota, got to Boston, won a championship first year, and competed for it. Was it was in the running for it the next four to five years? You know, outside of the years they got beat in the second round, it's because they ran into LeBron early based on playoff seeding. So, I mean, then of course he got hurt two thousand nine. They could have. Easily won a championship that year, you know. It, it's not a far fetched idea, and they did make it twenty ten. So I think the story of power force is just it depends upon your situation. For like example, like Dennis Rodman, great rebounding, great defender. On the, I mean, played on the bad boys, two rings. Goes to the Spurs, didn't really fit in culturally there. Goes to the Bulls, gets three more rings. He's known as one of the greatest defenders of all time. So I think just your when it comes to a big guy. Your situation plays a part too. I look at even uh, Kevin Love. I mean, he's not my best of the rest, but look at Kevin Love. He was in Minnesota getting empty stats, goes to Cleveland, and drops down to about 17, 18 points a game, eight, nine rebounds, wins a ring. Chris Bosch in Toronto makes the playoffs two or three times, doesn't go far. Teams up with LeBron and D Wade, and now he's a two time champion. So I think the story of the power forward for most of the bigs is. You got to have the right situation to be successful. Yeah, and 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 if you look at all, every single power forward on this list. Only if, if, whether you want or not, they all needed a guard. Like I mean, yeah, I mean to, to me, I mean Larry Bird and LeBron James can do, play make from from their position, so that, that that's, that's good enough. But like you say, y'all, yeah, every every one of these guys needed someone. Parker saw needed Kobe. Robin had MJ and Pippen. C. Webb had Jason Williams and uh, Mike Bibby. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike Bibby. That's right. Pedro Stoyakovich, Hedo Turkle. He has like, he has some good teams yeah. with the Kings, but when he got traded to the Sixers, two thousand four, two thousand five, him, yeah, him and AI were both 
not on the way down, but they weren't their prime, prime elite players no more. And then you got that was the Pistons run of six consecutive East Finals, so I mean, they really couldn't do anything big there. Yeah, and then like, like and then like um, you talk, you talk about like uh, you know, who else we talking about? But Griffin, if he if he when he had Chris Paul, he, you know, they was always in the playoffs. Nope, um, they never could get a small a small forward though, and they never could right. get past the Warriors. Right, so it's so it's always something. Stoudemire has Steve Nash, Sean Marion, but you know, which, which led to success, but you know, couldn't beat Lakers. You know, during that time, and, 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 and that's just how it is. Um, I think I think out of all these guys, you know, they they all have a you know, I don't think they have a shot to be in the top eight, uh, just because of like you said, circumstances. Even guy we haven't mentioned yet, Lamarcus Aldridge, um, very consistent player throughout his whole career, twenty and eight. Um, but can't, but he, but, you know, he couldn't ever send. I mean, to me, he can't be the best player on the team. Which why you know these other guys in the top eight, you know, you know, in our opinions, can even though Kevin McHale was never that guy, but you seen when he didn't play, Boston wasn't you know Boston wasn't the same. So we we got we got that kind of kind of like uh you know history to look at, and I think the only guy that we both love right now that that could possibly get there, depending on health and and career wise, because he's in a good situation right now. And that's Chris Stapps Porzingis. Oh yeah, uh, get, getting out of New York because that was a dumpster fire. But now being paired with Luca, who we also believe will be a one of one of the greats. Uh, it, you know the way he's going right now. I mean, his rookie season was amazing. But Porzingis, people forget how great he was. Like I think his last season, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, nobody worried about him. But you talking about a guy seven three who can who who he basically, everything basically. He he's he's dirt except with defense because he can move and he can block shots. So. He does everything, and if he can stay healthy, he can be the best player on the team. And yes, the West is piled up right now, but you got to think about how four to five years that, from now. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be that great. You know, it's not going to be so so congested like that for long because once Mike Conley leave, Jazz Jazz and they pay Gobert, they'll be stuck. You got LeBron; he's going to retire. Uh, who knows what? Yeah, Warriors going to at least decline at some point. You know, Steph and right. Clay, Draymond, they can't do it forever. Harden, Westbrook, D'Antoni, they they won't either they oh, won't yeah, get they it right don't. or they're gonna age badly. So I think the Mavs, man, they, they they can do something big in this couple of years. Yeah, I think I really think about two years. I, I mean, because you got you got to think about what 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 the concept of the, of the land is, and even Kawhi and Paul George signed like two or three years, so they can they can they can really get out quickly, and the West gonna be wide open again, and that's where the Luca and Porzingis health wise is gonna be unstoppable because. Like I said, when we talk about European guys, they gonna always have the skill. Now, if they can get that athleticism or the, you know to learn how to win, boom! You talking about it's, it's it's a whole different ball game. And Porzingis, Porzingis can be on the rise, and you know just, just depend on his situation. Like I like you say, all power forwards depend on that. And Porzingis has he has a guy in Luca, so he has a good coach, has a good franchise around him, so he he can be real on his way. Yeah, some honorable mentions: uh, Rasheed Wallace, NBA champion with the Pistons. He, he had a, one of the greatest trash talkers of all time. Also, Zebo, one of the the all back alley team members, and an honorable mention power four. He had a great career too. I think Zebo gets overlooked. Zebo was Portland Knicks Grizzlies. No matter what Zebo went, he was gonna get you about eighteen to twenty, nineteen rebounds. Uh, he, he's a guy I wouldn't mind having on my team. And uh, I want to ask you know since. The league is changing, and we saw Giannis kind of take on more of the power forward role than the small forward role. Do we kind of want to move him from the small forward category to the power forward category, or we want to still keep him as like in that that wing category? See, right, right, right now, man, it's probably Giannis is probably one of those 
guys like Ellen Iverson, because yes, we call Iverson a shooting guard, but we don't really know what he really is. Point guard, yeah. shooting guard. <laughs> y- y'all, y- I think y'all might be in the same category. We just put him in his own, <laughs> put him in his own yeah, category. But J- we'll... J- Jerry West too, combo guard, yeah, like yeah. AI combo guard. So, so right right now, I don't know what to call him because, like I said, a lot of people say he's a big, but he came in as small four. He he played point guard too. He played shooting guard, so he he'll play all of them. So we'll see where his career go. But if he does play power forward. Uh, this that's another guy who should shoot up his list very very quickly. Uh, just the fact that he already got an MVP already at what age twenty four, and all he needs is a jump shot. And you know the the NBA the NBA could be his. You know, just depending on his situation, he, he's in Milwaukee, small market. But you know, if he if he can somehow keep them, you know, East Coast Finals get second round consistently throughout his whole career, boom, he probably can be up here too because his stats gonna be there. How much he does in the regular season, so uh, he can be up there. Uh, we can also we can't, we can't forget my boy, man, Darker Milicic, man. You know he was great. Oh man, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. Man, you you got to put Darko back in like the fifties to be with Dolph Shades, than to even get on this list. Bob Pitt or something. You man, gotta put, that was. You got to take Darko back to the fifties to even be something. But Darko man, that was, was terrible. terrible. Man. That was a terrible. That was one. That was the worst power four picks of all time. <laughs> but like I said, if it wasn't for dirt, Darko would never got drafted. Oh um, yeah, that, that that was a major, major downfall, man. Pistons, Pistons drafting Melo would have changed their legacy, Melo's legacy, and so many other things. But taking Darko kind of became man. a cautionary tale of leaving some of these European seven footers alone. So I guess in in history wise, we kind of think about it, it, it still did set a precedent of all seven footers aren't good. I mean, I mean, Chauncey Billis, he even did an interview saying like he saw the guy work out and he was like, "This not gonna work." <laughs> It's not gonna work. He and he still won a championship and he had to be. <laughs> yeah, it, it, oh, it's, it's man, terrible. Darko has a championship and Melo Melo does it or Kirk Heinrich does it and Chris Kamen does it. But freaking exactly. Darko does. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, that's our power forwards. Um, you know, we might get together and uh, you know, at some point and put put a you know, maybe add two guests with us and, and go crazy with it and see if we can come up with a with a, a top ten, top twenty list. And see where people, you know, people rank different things because, you know, we're going to stay consistent. If I got Tim Duck in top 10, Barkley got to be after that because I got, I got him second and powerful. I can't have Carmelo on above him. You know, that just don't make sense. So we're going to, we might, might do like a top 25 list. We're going to probably get a couple guys in here to, 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 to debate that because you never know. A lot of people value different things different ways. I know a lot of people have like Dirt and Whiskey this second best power for us. So I really want to kill somebody whoever does that. So ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous statement. <laughs> so make sure y'all check us out on Twitter at Mr. Rashad underscore too cool. Pastor Kevin Kev, preach Kev, preach on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spreaker, wherever you can find us at. Just Google Our us heart. you can yeah. find us. Yeah. Yeah, anywhere. Uh, preach Kev, preach with Rashad. We out. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.
Oh, what's this? Zenny's 3D virtual try-on. Pretty cool, right? Wait, are those prices real? Do they have glasses for men? Yep, they also have affordable blue light glasses. Seriously? At those prices? Get them all. I like where this is going. Zenny.com. Prescription glasses starting at $6.95.